Welcome to Hope Talks, Stories of Transformation. Hope Talks is a project of David's United Church of Christ in Canal Winchester, Ohio, and dedicated to providing stories with different perspectives of hope. Hi, I'm Erica Jackson, communication and behavior change expert, curious listener, and coach. And hello, I'm Jill Dunlavey. I've worked in the legal field for many years, and I love engaging with others about their life journeys and experiences. I'm excited about the ways this podcast shines light on the best of humanity. And we're both members of David's United Church of Christ, where our mission is to seek, celebrate, and share the love of God to all, no exceptions. We believe that learning about and highlighting the stories of hope is one place that we can find God at work. In this episode, we are delighted to talk with Nana Eshin, a student at The Ohio State University who is majoring in political science and minoring in theater. Nana has lived in the United States for about six years and was born in South Africa. She is joining us today to tell us about her endeavors in film inclusivity and incorporating the more, more hero figures of African descent in the narratives and visuals of film and animation. So welcome, Nana. We're so happy that you're spending time with us today. Thank you for having me. So tell us about yourself, your background, what led you to your interest in theater, film, and animation? So as you said, my name is Nana Eshin. Um, I'm currently a student at The Ohio State University, majoring in political political science and minoring in theater. Um, I've always had a passion for theater or really any visual art. Um, you could say this started when I was younger. <laughs> My parents told me I used to put on shows and plays for them uh, that I'd seen on TV or um, I'd be enrolled in drama classes and such. So my love for theater really did start quite early. But I would say um, the moment I knew that this was something I wanted to be a part of and kind of leave my mark um, in this industry was when I was at Eastmore Academy, the high school in Columbus, Ohio, and um, I was in my first musical, uh, which was Once on this Island. And what was it about Once on this Island, which I know is a really powerful story mm-hmm. that um, that spoke to you, whispered in your ear that this is this is what you're meant to do. Um, It would have to be a closing night. We had a sold out show, which was one of our only sold out shows that year. Um, But we were coming up for vows and everyone was clapping. Of course, the seniors were crying because like this was their last show at the high school. Um, But as we're walking out, there were a few girls um, from the school that were standing outside waiting for us. Um, And as we walked by them, they're like, wow, I want to do what you do. Or wow, you inspired me, you know. to even see myself in your position. Because before, I guess they hadn't really seen themselves as being capable of being in a production like this, or um, they didn't see their place in the industry. But I don't know, after seeing the show, I guess they saw something that they were able to do. Um, So after that, I just fell in love with it. So they really, they saw themselves in you and, and you gave them hope for their own potential. It's crazy to think, but yeah, in a sense, yes. Um, And every single day I think about that moment um, and it just pushes me to do more and show more of um, whether it's powerful black women in 
in the industry or even African stories in the industry. Um, I want every girl, boy to be able to see themselves on screen and say, wow, I could do that too. Or see the occupations that are on screen and say, wow, I could do that too. Mm. Well, that, that actually leads us to have you tell us about the Real African Film and Animations Project, which you yes. founded. Quite impressive for someone <laughs> of your age. So tell us about the mission of that, some of its productions, just, yeah, ev- everything you want the world to know about that project. All right. So the Real African Film and Animations Project was actually um uh, it's kind of a branch of a project that was initially founded by my uncle, um, Push Komi, who lives in South Africa. Um, he's an award-winning writer. So he's been kind of doing this without this specific title for many, many years. Um, and he had approached me one day and said, Nana, we saw you in the musical and I've seen how you've been working ins and outs of um, film, theater and such. And I have a proposition for you. So uh, when he initially pitched it, Um, We were reading one of his books, 100 Great African Kings and Queens, and I don't know, something about it was just absolutely beautiful. Um, And in this book, he talks about a lot of historical kings and queens throughout Africa from Egypt to Ghana, and it kind of explores how extraordinary um, each and every one of them were and how I guess every younger girl and boy could see themselves in these positions and kind of realize their potential. Um, So it was after that, that he said, well, what if we made this a film? Um, And I guess that's where I came in. Obviously South Africa, although very developed and kind of very involved in the film industry, isn't as involved or, well, I can't really say involved, maybe not as um, recognized as the U.S. industry is. So our idea was to set up the majority of it here in the U.S., uh, where it would kind of be more, um, I guess, almost widely accepted, weirdly enough, because a lot of the film that comes out of the U.S. is like automatically branded as good film, um, where I guess it would be harder to break that barrier if it came from South Africa. But we wanted to get it out there here And the mission essentially is to represent all the historical African kings and queens in an animated form that younger Black children would be able to look at and finally unlock the limitations they placed on themselves or society has placed on themselves regarding what they're able to do, what they're able to be um, in life. And yeah, so that was the main mission of of the project. Uh, in terms of some productions that we are working on at the moment is uh, firstly the 100 Great African Kings and Queens animation, um, which is something my uncle is primarily working on right now, but we're hoping to start that up here as well. Um, and a few of his other books, uh, such as Emperor Mansa Musa, uh, is hopefully going to become an animation as well. Wow, I um, would love to know which African king or queen has inspired you the most. Um, I would have to say, okay, now this is a hard question. <laughs> like I'm gonna draw lines. <laughs> um, hmm. Let me think. Okay, I'm gonna say from Makeda, the queen of Sheba. Um, I just think 
mainly because for me growing up, I always found the beauty in Queens and um, I always thought, wow, I always wanted to be that powerful. And she kind of embodies that um, powerful spirit, but also caring and gentle that I kind of want in my own character. So yeah, she would have to be my favorite. Well, no one hurt me for this. My One of my favorites, let me say. <laughs> <laughs> so many to choose from. <laughs> and I'm curious, what else have you learned during your time working on this project that you didn't expect to discover? Um, I guess I can answer these, this question two ways. Um, one personal thing that I kind of learned during, during this process is the limitations I kind of play, uh, placed on myself. Um, when, when I was initially brought into the project, um, I had a lot of excuses of why I didn't think I was kind of right for the position. Um, since graduating from high school, I, I haven't really left the film or theater industry, but I will say, I feel like my voice is a bit quieter now, um, because the older I got, the more I thought, wow, okay, the world is really big and I'm not sure how my voice is gonna make an impact or I'm not sure if, I don't know, this is a right fit for me. Um, but I guess that's one of the things this project has kind of brought back out of me is that I do have a voice and every voice is important. And um, even if the impact uh, to someone else may be little, um, touching one or two people is something great. And it doesn't really matter if I'm 19 or 45. Um, yeah, it, the time is never wrong to start what you're passionate about. So that's one of the things that um, I didn't expect to discover, but I'm so, so grateful I was able to learn uh, through the project. I'm hearing that kind of one of the tragedies of life sometimes is that as we as we grow as we get bigger our dreams mm -hmm. can become smaller oh, and, and so that you're cool. saying no no matter what age you are you have something to to offer this world of course yes and I society is weird in the sense that they want us to have this realistic sense of life um I've been kind of dwelling on what exactly realistic is. And I'm noticing that realistic may just be whatever you construct for yourself. Um, realistic is a limitation. I, I'm choosing more to be creative now. And it's something I also want everyone else to try and do. Um, be creative in the way you approach your dreams, whether it's, I don't know, um, just taking the leap like I did to do a project that I genuinely thought I was too young and maybe a bit um, untrained to do, um, but yeah, just be creative in the way you chase your dreams, not so much realistic. I'm already finding certainly, Nana, that your wisdom is, is deep <laughs> and wide. Um, you, you did an interview about your role in the show, The Color Purple at your high school, and I was really struck by the personal pain that you were expressing, um, particularly as a result of President Trump's uh, disparaging comments about Africa, and that it left you feeling that the citizens of the U.S., 
hated you. I I think you might've used those words and, and you were discouraged that your parents had had brought you to this country. Um, (laughs) And so in that musical, uh, you're, you sang this line, I'm beautiful and I'm here with such power and wisdom. And I'm just curious a few years later now, what those lines mean to you today. Um, So definitely during that time, I was going through a lot, let's say, uh, with um, the words I was seeing and hearing um, and kind of the titles I was given. Um, I guess it was during that time that I fully recognized like what being an immigrant meant in a new country. And it never crossed my mind that um, that being an immigrant would be an issue for anyone or even be a reason to be hated or disliked. Um, So in that moment, it was definitely accepting those titles and kind of making them my own, Um, understanding that just because I am an immigrant doesn't mean um, I'm being a parasite or I'm here for any destructive purposes, but um, something beautiful and kind of like rebirth um, in a new country. But for right now, I will say that the line, I'm beautiful and I'm here is, huh. It's changed its meaning a little in that now I'm seeing the beauty of being creative, like I had said, and um, embarking on things I never thought I could. And the fact that I'm here is my unapologetic stance in saying that, um, yes, I I hear the things people say um, because I still to this day have moments where uh, people tell me because I'm an immigrant, I shouldn't be doing certain things or because I'm black, I shouldn't be doing certain things. Um, But it's so unapologetic that I am here. Um, You don't necessarily need to love or even hate me, uh, but I will continue doing what I feel is right and what I'm passionate about. And I'll reach the people who need to be reached um, and love those that need to be loved and hopefully make an impact that way. So yeah, that's what that means to me now. Well, it certainly seems that your mission so far is absolutely within that work. And um, I'm, I'm curious as well as to who are some of your other biggest film heroes and agents of change and why? Um, so recently I've, really, really loved um, the actress Viola Davis. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with her, but she's one of of the first um, dark-skinned women I've ever seen on film. And um, the first time I'd ever seen her uh, was a time where I genuinely, okay, this might sound odd, but I genuinely did not love my hair. Um, (laughs) There was always something about it. I always wanted it to be straighter, wanted it to be longer. I don't know, wanted it to to be more, um, quote unquote, feminine. Um, But I was watching her and she had an Afro and um, it looked very, very similar to mine. And the way she walked commanded power, the way she talked, um, like you really couldn't question her femininity or really anything simply because of her hair. And it was from that that I kind of drew my first initial inspiration and um, want to be a representation as well, where um, something as simple as her hair being out in her Afro uh, 
kind of impacted me to be unapologetic in the way I wear my hair and understand that just because it moves a little different <laughs> um, doesn't necessarily mean that it's um, any less beautiful or any less feminine um, or any less professional. Yeah. So she's definitely one of my biggest heroes, I'd say. I remember a scene from How to Get Away with Murder where <laughs> Viola, you know, the character of Viola mm -hmm. um, is getting um, ready for the evening, right? Undressed mm -hmm. in the evening. And it's very intentionally shows her taking off her wig and mm -hmm. the lashes and, um, you know, just all the, all of the, the shoulds, you know, yeah. that's, that's how <laughs> I interpreted that the shoulds about how you should look. Mm -hmm. Um, and we got to see all of the beauty of that dark skin mm -hmm. under there. And I, um, in, in a similar way, though not certainly not sharing your experience, um, was, was struck, um, by the, uh, the, the possibility for each of us to love our own skin fully. Mm -hmm. Right. So what's the message of hope that you would like to carry forward? Um, that's, that's, I think the first question. And, and second, how can, can we, how can the community who, who's listening to this, help you achieving your goal in the real African film and animations project? Um, so first the mission, I guess the message of hope um, I want to put out there um, is mainly that you can be and do anything you put your mind to. Um, no dream is too small or too big for you to achieve. Um, and through representation, I, I want to use representation, let me say, uh, as a key to unlocking the limitations that we place on ourselves. Um, and I guess that's the hope in it. Um, I want them, them being children, I want younger children, um, African children, Black children, to know that they have hope, that the lives they live now or the things people say about them isn't necessarily uh, the limits that they should place on themselves, but rather they should go above and beyond that if they want to. Um, they should be the kings and queens and heroes of their own story. Uh, and yeah, and I believe that they can all do great things if they were only just given a chance to see themselves that way. Lana, you are... A queen. <laughs> and thank you so much, Nana, for spending time with us, sharing your story and message. We really appreciate you sharing your hopes and visions of and for our community and around the world. Well, thank you for spending your time with me. And to our helpful listeners, thank you for turning, tuning in. And we'll be back soon to inspire you with another episode of Hope Talks. Thank you for listening to this segment of Hope Talks. I hope you join us again. And please encourage others to listen and check out other David's United Church of Christ programs at davidsucc.net. It is our hope that your day is filled with hope. Thank you.